Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank podcast. We love God, love people, and love our city. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. Welcome to Christmas 2020. <laughs> Amen. Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you. I hope that you have been blessed with lots of good food and lots of fellowship and that the rest of the day will be peaceful and happy. Um, we, we made it to the end of the year. Can you believe it? <laughs> so um, last Sunday, Pastor Longa kicked off our Christmas series, which is our new series, and it's entitled Still the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. And I'm, he spoke to us last week about the wonder, the, that Christmas is still the most wonderful time of the year for giving, to give. And he really challenged us on what God's heart towards giving is and what our heart towards giving is. And that is that um, it is more blessed to, to give than to receive. And so Christmas um, is such a great and wonderful time to, to remember the point of giving. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about the fact that Christmas is still the most wonderful time of the year to hope. Even in 2020, even after a worldwide pandemic with lockdowns and shutdowns and hardships and chaos everywhere, this Christmas really is still the most wonderful time of the year to hope. And the reason for that is, is because Christmas reminds us of the wonder of God breaking into our lives. His very presence, His very being, Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas reminds us of the wonder of God speaking into our lives, that we are His, that He loves us, that He will never, ever forsake us, that we will never, ever be alone again. And Christmas reminds us of the wonder of this great and glorious and mighty and holy God actually choosing to partner with lowly, fallen, broken mankind to do something amazing on the earth. And lastly, Christmas reminds us of the wonder of this very God choosing to sacrifice himself for us, choosing to be born in a manger so that he could die on a cross for your sins and for mine. And because of these wonderful things, Christmas really is still the most wonderful time of the year to hope. So now talking about hope at Christmas time, I came across two letters by two little boys who were way less than impressed with what Father Christmas had to bring them on Christmas Day. And the first one's from Alfred, and it says, Dear Father Christmas, you did not bring me anything good last year. You did not bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. Now, the next one, before we go there, you've, you, I want you to enjoy the creativity of the spelling. It is just glorious. And this one says, Dear Santa, I am writing this on the day after Christmas, and I am very sad. I only received one of the two presents I asked for. Since you ate my cookies, I will assume that my missing gift was a mistake. I will give you one week to fix this. And that's from Jeremy. So who knows that these young men had hopes? They had some expectations. <laughs> they had some dreams. But sadly, Father Christmas did not comply with what they were hoping for. 
And maybe that's how your 2020 has been. You know, when the year started, we were excited. It was a new year. I heard so many people saying 2019 was hard. I think we might amend that uh, at New Year's this year. And we might think it wasn't as bad as we thought it was. But we started off the year with fresh hope, fresh excitement. We were making plans. There were things we needed. There were things we wanted. We were going to travel. I am laughing so hard. In March still, we were planning a trip to Canada to do a mission to our church in Canada. And I remember having a last meeting with the team somewhere in the second week of March saying, what, should we buy the tickets? Guess what? We bought the tickets. Yes, you can laugh. Um, but that's what 2020 was like. And then in a moment, COVID-19 took over the entire world. I mean, who in their wildest dreams imagined that within days, Uncle Cyril will be telling us we're going in lockdown and then there we were. We've never lived through anything like it. And so just like Alfred and Jeremy, you had some expectations and 2020 just didn't deliver. And you know what? That can leave us disappointed. That can leave us sad. That can leave us a little broken. But what Christmas reminds us of again is that God understands our human hearts. He understands our human souls. He created your heart. He created your soul. He knows what it is like to be human. I mean, the whole point of Christmas is that God literally became human and dwelt amongst us in the flesh, fully man and fully God. Do you know that he loves you in your humanity? Do you know that he came to save you in your humanity, not from your humanity? None of us, when we get born again, become superhuman. None of us turn into a cyborg, and we're all just obedient and, and just love God with all our hearts. He saves and sanctifies us in our humanity. And because of this, he has a deep understanding of how we get disappointed. In fact, he has such a deep understanding that he inspired King Solomon to write in Proverbs 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And some translations use the word longing, a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. When hope is deferred, when dreams die, or when expectations are left unmet, just like young Alfred and Jeremy, we get heartsick. Our souls quail and falter, and when that happens, we lose hope. Has anybody ever lost hope? We are human. But the good news of that scripture is we understand the first part very, very well. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We have all been there. We might be sitting there right now today. But remember the second part. But a desire fulfilled, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And when our longing is fulfilled, that tree of life grows in our heart again. So there's a line from a Christmas carol entitled A Little Town, oh, Little Town of Bethlehem, and it was written by Philip Brooks in 1868, and this line helps us understand this a little bit better. So the first stanza of that carol reads, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in you tonight. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. 
You see, the message of Christmas is that whether we recognize it or not, whether we choose to believe it or not, that the deepest longing, the most essential hope, the most crucial need of every single human being was manifested in a moment at the birth of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world. He is our deepest longing. He is our deepest desire, whether we recognize it or understand it or choose to believe it or not. Jesus is the hope of Christmas. He is the reason that Christmas is still the most wonderful time of the year to hope. You see, he is our desire fulfilled. He is our longing fulfilled. Because before you knew Jesus, you didn't even know you needed him. But when you met him, everything you wanted, everything you longed for, everything you hoped for that you didn't even know you want came into your life. He is the tree of life that grows in our hearts and that refreshes our hope and that restores our faith. And he is the tree of life that gives us the courage and bravery to live the life he has called us to live. And so, as Christmas really is the most wonderful time of the year to hope, what will our response be? What will we say to this most wonderful time of the year to hope? Well, King David wrote in Psalm 39 verse 7, during a trying time of his life, during a difficult time of his life, he wrote this, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Isn't this the very best response we can make? Isn't this the very best that we can give back to God? My hope is in you. So the Hebrew word translated as hope in this, in this scripture is tokelet, and it means a patient expectation. <laughs> now some of us really love that, yes, expectation. What I hate is the patient. <laughs> but it means a patient expectation. You see, both Jeremy and Alfred had a lot of expectation, but neither of them were patient. I mean, Alfred gave Santa Claus one more t chance. I don't know what was going to happen. Jeremy was even worse. He gave Santa Claus one week, and he felt like because he'd eaten his cookies, he had made a contract, so that present better come. So, like I say, we, 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 we talk about expectation, we get excited, but what does expectation mean? Well, in the dictionary, it literally means this, the act or the state of expecting, the act or state of looking forward or anticipating, a prospect of future good or profit. But you know, one of the weirdest things for me during 2020 and the whole lockdown season was how we stopped making plans. This year literally shut down our hope of ex and expectation of future profit and good. We stopped looking forward. You know, the most exciting thing is, is there a new series on Netflix? I, I want to be really honest, my most exciting day during lockdown was when I remembered I could still buy cake from Woolies. I'd forgotten about that. It's like hope burst into flame, and I went and bought cake and ate all of it. But that was the most I was getting to look forward to. 
And so when we look to 2021 from this Christmas vantage, we might feel like we don't know how to expect something good, that we don't know, we don't have an anticipation of profit coming to our lives. And you see, this is the issue of hope. We think that hope is airy-fairy. The way we use the word in our English language, my niece is, was writing her matric exams this year, and there was a lot of, I really hope I pass. And I, I remembered saying the same things during my matric exams, and what I remembered was that when I used that word hope, what I was saying was, I know I didn't prepare well enough, so I'm like holding thumbs and uh, stroking eggs and doing whatever other weird superstitious things we suddenly do, because when I said I hope I pass, what I mean is I'm pretty sure I'm not going to, but maybe by some weird magic, I'll make it through. But that is not what biblical hope is. And the reason it's hard sometimes, especially coming out of 2020, to expect good, to expect and anticipate profit, is because hope is hard. It is not a cheap or easy thing. It is not idle or passive. Hope actually requires a concerted effort. We have to go in there and dig it out. Hope requires intentionality. I have discovered that hope also requires a deep level of courage and bravery. Why? Well, because the world, the enemy, my own heart and soul, my own mind are continually battering down our hope. If I want to stand in hope, I have to fight for it. And I'm sad to tell you this Christmas day, but if you want to stand in hope, you better be willing to fight for it. You see, I have to train and I have to keep training my mind and my heart to remember who my hope is in, not what my hope is in. <laughs> you see, I've realized in my life that when I start focusing on what my hope is in, I am literally setting up my own self to have hope deferred. I'm setting my own self up for a sick, sad heart. Why? <laughs> Because as 2020 has taught us, the what, the where, the how, and the when can change in a minute. We all lived through that. Never in our lives did we realize how out of control we actually are, how little we control. And so when we focus on the what, on the how, on the when, on the where, we are placing our hope in false things that can fall away in seconds. But the who of our hope, the who of our hope is eternal and unbending and unyielding, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nobody prophesied this pandemic, not one of the great prophets on this planet, because God didn't bother to tell them. Why? Because he was not freaked out because he saw the end from the beginning and he knew whatever his purposes were, they would prevail. We hated it, we panicked, we freaked, we lay on the floor and kicked our legs and cried and, and ate too much cake. Um, but God never panicked. I want to be really honest with you. I sometimes wanted God to panic because then it would make me feel better. But then I kept realizing if God starts panicking, oh my word, we're done. Am I right, Lyrical? Watch the universe spin off its, alt off its axis. And so God was not freaked out. That's why he didn't bother telling the prophets, because what's your problem, peeps? Yeah. I'm here. Nothing about me changed. Not one thing about him changed. And so who is your hope in? Hebrews 6 verse 19 in the New Living Translation says, this hope, okay, who will 
What is this hope? Jesus Christ. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. This hope, Jesus Christ himself, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Because this hope is exclusively based on that baby born in a manger, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, who grew in wisdom and stature before God and men, and obeyed in every single area of his life, even to the, to the death and resurrection, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. See, this hope is exclusively based in the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead proving he is the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents and believes in him. This is our hope. There is nothing else in the entire universe that will make us right with God. This hope. There is nothing else that will give us eternal life. This hope. There is nothing else that will give us peace and joy and hope except the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We want to make it's so complicated. We want to make a thousand other things. There is nothing else. Every other goodness of God, every other blessing, every other manifestation that comes to your life is just a bonus. But this is it. It never, ever changes. And are you now beginning to understand again that this Christmas is still the most wonderful time of the year to hope? You see, we can hope because of the wonder of God breaking into our lives. We can hope because God knows exactly when to show up. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. So for centuries, God the, pro prophesied, sorry, <clears throat> let me say that again. For centuries, God prophesied the coming of Messiah. For centuries, many, many centuries, <laughs> possibly a few thousand years, because literally from Adam, he prophesied him. And even though he didn't manifest, because God made the promise, the promise was sure and the promise was true. And in the fullness of time, that promise manifested in the birth of Jesus Christ, his son. Now Galatians 4 verse 45 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Isn't that such a poetic phrase, the fullness of time? It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It sounds like the beginning of a really great movie, the fullness of time. But for you and I as human beings, what an utter nightmare. Why? <laughs> because remember that in that scripture, my hope is in you. <sighs> hope means a patient expectation. The fullness of time isn't my understanding. It's his. Now, <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me how I honestly believe that I know what is best for me. 
how honestly I believe that I know what I need and when I need it. Even though I have a million examples of how wrong I can be, I still hold steadfastly to this belief that I know what I need and I know when I need it and I know what will be good for me. And I have literally a million, Lorico, uh, experiences of how I failed at this. So at this point, yes, you can look at me and you can say, Pastor Greg, you're dumb. I'm not gonna disagree. But as this is Christmas Day, I don't wanna call anybody else in the room dumb, but I'm not the only one, okay? <laughs> I mean, how often in your life, now think about this, how often in your, your life have you decided if I could just get that pair of shoes, that bit of technology, that beautiful woman, that amazing man, that degree, that promotion, and we can go on for hours, if I just get that, my whole life will be dramatically and magically changed for the better forever. I will literally turn into a Disney movie. <laughs> but then, you save the money, or most oftenly, we look at our credit card and we just take the risk, and literally almost the minute after we've achieved the desire, oh, you realize at the very best that, that the deeply desired thing, that deeply desired person, that deeply desired state has really only made your life slightly more convenient. Yeah. At the very worst, that deeply desired thing, that deeply desired person, that deeply desired state has actually made your life worse. Anybody ever had that experience? Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, <laughs> if we are going to be people who hope in the Lord, who choose to hold a patient expectation of his goodness in our lives, we have to learn how to let him dictate the times and seasons of our lives. We have to learn how to let him manifest in the fullness of time in our lives. You know, I've been a Christian for just about 33 years now, and what I've realized in that time is the goodness and the wisdom of God that he doesn't answer every one of my prayers, that he doesn't just give me what I beg for all the time. Some of you are sitting here and you're angry with God, or at the very least a little disappointed with him, because you feel like he hasn't heard your prayers. Well, I am here to tell you that sometimes what's happening there is that God is showing you mercy because I've seen it in my life. And there's been times where God's given me what I asked for, and then I realized I had no capacity to carry it. And it just flowed right out of me. And so it's good to ask God for things. It's good to pray. But more importantly is that we work our character before him. We pray for things and gifts more than we pray for our character. What kind of character did it come for Jesus Christ to be born as a human being after being God and live this awful existence? to die on a cross for ungrateful people. What kind of character did it take? The most gifted person. And so Christmas and hope, we have to have realistic hope. Again, it's that example of what's the difference between who I hope in and what I hope for. And so we want things and we want to get things and God wants to give us things and God wants to bless us, but he wants to make sure that his blessing doesn't crush us. Because sometimes the things we're asking for, it's like if Santa Claus flew over our head and dropped all the presents out of his sleigh, what would we look like at the end of that? So God knows exactly when to show up. 
You know, it's not hard to imagine. As I said, the Messiah was prophesied for centuries. And if you read the Bible, you will understand that Israel went through some very hard times. Went into exile. (laughs) Came back from exile. Any one of those hard times would have been a fantastic time for Jesus to arrive. But he didn't. And by the time he arrives 2,000 years ago for us now, Israel was in a really bad state. They were literally oppressed by an enemy power by Romans who hated them. And it's not hard to imagine that after all these centuries, possibly millennia, of this prophecy of Messiah, that there were people in Israel who thought this was their life, that this was their lot, that God had forgotten them, and there was really no point in hoping anymore. But God knew that the most awful of national disasters, when an entire nation was being stripped of their very identity in God, that Jesus would manifest, not to restore their natural state, but to make them fully and completely whole and alive to God through Christ. God knew that that awful time was the very best time for his good promise to be fulfilled. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great, I'm sorry, my iPad did something weird. According to his great mercy, he has caused caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you feel forgotten by God? Do you feel like your identity is being stripped and destroyed by the situations and circumstances you are facing today? Well, look up, child, it's time to hope because you are born again into a living hope, a hope that is alive and breathing and vital and active right now, right now all the time, no matter what you are facing. (laughs) I have come to believe that our worst moments are the best opportunities for us to push into hope. Why? because that's when we need God the most. And he knows when to show up. He knows exactly when to show up. As as an old saying goes, God might not be early, but he is never one second late. And hope, hope, hope is like a beacon that shines out of our hearts into heaven and lets God know we're expecting him. And lets God see that we are waiting for him and that our hearts are open and ready for him. And again, this is why Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year to hope. Secondly, the wonder of God speaking into our lives. We can hope because God knows exactly when to speak up. I think it's been read already today, but Luke 2 verse 10 to 14, and the angel said to them, fear not, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now biblical scholars tell us that from the end of the book of Micah to the beginning of Matthew was about 400 years. And in those 400 years, we see no prophetic utterance. It was like God was silent for 400 years. But one glorious night, 
<laughs> after being silent for 400 years, with an absolute explosion, God literally discloses his full purpose and plan for mankind, just like that. And who does he choose to do it to? Don't, don't ever think the, the Bible is random. When I went to Jerusalem uh, with my mom about, oh, it's quite a while ago, I think it was in 2008 we were there. Uh, it was just amazing. If you ever get a chance to Israel, go. Jesus is everywhere. It's like your Bible just comes alive. I remember driving out the Ben-Gurion airport and there was a sign saying, Ashkelon, Ashdod, this way, and Jericho, that way. My mind broke. Uh, yeah, I've only read those names here. <laughs> it's amazing. But we were in Jerusalem, and then we had an opportunity suddenly to go to Bethlehem, because of all political stuff, you go when you get the chance. And so we got on the bus. It was literally a five-minute drive from where we are in the center of Jerusalem to the gate at Bethlehem. And that's the first time I understood the significance of this. The king, the rich, the, the educated, the erudite were all five minutes away from Jesus Christ. Somebody had to be drinking a martini, looking off their balcony, going, what's happening over there? Not one of them bothered to go and find out. God went to the people who were ready for him. God went to the beacon of hope that he saw in a human heart. And they were lowly, uneducated, dirty, smelly, nasty shepherds. Not prophets and kings. He went to people like you and I. In John 1.27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. We are the sheep of his pasture. Do you see the connection again? Shepherds hear God's voice for the first time in 400 years. We are the sheep of his pasture. He knows us and we follow him. We are his sheep and he loves to speak to us. We have to grow our ability to hear him. And for each one of us, that's a slightly different journey. But what I can tell you is you've got to start listening. You've actually got to make time to listen. As a prophetic person, this surprises me, and you're going to call me dumb again. But in the business of my life, in the business of being a person and a pastor and dealing with stuff, I sometimes forget to wait on God. I sometimes forget just to go and sit. But the second I do that, whether it's in the prayer room here or at home or wherever, if I just sit and think about God and start listening like that, he starts speaking. And I am blown away every single time. And so if you want to hear God, you've got to grow your ability to do that. And that's the first and most probably the best tip I can give you. Just make time to sit and listen. Another tip that is equally as powerful is this Bible. You see, when God speaks, hope bursts into flame. Who knows how excited those shepherds were? <laughs> Who knows, just in their boring evening, thinking, oh, it's just me and the sheep. Their whole lives changed. They got to be part of history. And so when God speaks, hope bursts into flame. And I cannot tell you how many times when I'm struggling with an issue in my heart, with a personal relationship, with a decision I have to make, that over and over and over again, when I open this book and actually read what is written on these pages, hope comes alive to me. And it's not a magical thing. <laughs> it's not some super spiritual thing. It's not like my heart just suddenly submits um, it's not like I suddenly just start acting like a saint. I mean, I wish that was the case. I know people around me really wish that was the case. Um, 
But as I allow this word to convict my heart, hope that he will help me, (laughs) hope that I will submit and obey comes upon me. And then I find myself changing my mind, changing my heart, changing my attitude, changing my behavior. And I start agreeing with God. And when I start agreeing with him again, that's where I come back into a place where he can bless me. Do you know that God cannot bless unrighteousness? It is impossible for him to do that. He can only bless righteousness. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ. But when we disagree, when we stand out of agreement with God, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless me. But if we are in disagreement with him, how can he? We cannot receive it. And this word is how we hear God, when we make time to listen to him and when we push into reading the Bible. And at this point, I also want to say, I love daily devotions. I really do. They're encouraging. It's great. You read a scripture, there's a little encouraging. It's awesome. But what I have to tell you as a pastor is that that is not reading your Bible. It isn't. This is your Bible, and this is how you read it. It's written in... (laughs) Thank you, Navelia. That was my best dramatic moment of the day. Um, It's written in paragraphs. Are you feeling like God is silent in your life? You know, I do. When I catch myself thinking to myself, oh, God's quiet. When I catch myself saying to somebody, God's quiet, you know what I've trained myself to try and do quickly? Oh, I need to read my Bible. It just means I haven't read it properly for a while. And what I do is I open it and I read until something speaks to me. It might not be what I want it to be. It might not be what I thought I needed. But when it speaks to me, I learn to, I've learned to listen. And then I sit with it and I pray through it and I talk to God about it. And then he talks more. So if you're feeling like God's quiet, maybe you just need to make some time and go and sit and listen. And you definitely need to take this with you and read it. And so we can hope because God knows exactly when to speak into our hearts and lives. And lastly, the the reason that Christmas is still the most wonderful time of the year to hope is because of the wonder of God coming to sacrifice himself. We can hope because God offered himself up. There's this beautiful moment in the book of Luke in chapter 2 where Mary and Joseph um, obeying the law and the, the and, and what they had to do was bring Jesus to the temple and present him to God and circumcise him, I would imagine. And on the eighth day, they come with this tiny baby and they walk into the temple. But in the courts of this temple is, is a man called Simeon. He was probably in his 80s. And he's a man who, just out of his love for God, has consecrated his life to God and spent his days worshiping God in the temple, praying to God in the temple. And because of that, he's become a prophet. And God makes a promise to Simeon, and he says, you will not die until you see the Messiah. And when Mary and Joseph walk in, this 80-year-old man sees them. Oh, and there's the promise. Right before his eyes. And he walks up to them, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, 
so that the thoughts from many hearts might be revealed. Not the most encouraging personal prophecy anybody's received, but from a heart soul-sick and hungry to see the Messiah. And this is the truth of Jesus, that Jesus was born to die. When we look at the manger, we have to see the shadowing of the cross. We have to see the cross overshadowing that manger. And what Simeon is saying is that because of Jesus, he's going to shake up everything and he will be hated, a sign that will be opposed. And was he opposed? He died on a cross. But many hearts were revealed. All the stony, cold, unhopeful, unfaithful hearts were revealed. But guess what? All of us who cried out, yes, Lord, our hearts were equally revealed. And so the joy of the manger is overshadowed by the suffering of the cross. Ephesians 1 verse 7 to 10 explains this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness for our, of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of, a, of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. And I found this absolutely beautiful quote by C.J. Mahaney, and it just really brings it home. That baby was born so that he who had no sin would become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When I look into the manger, I come away shaken as I realize again that he was born to pay the unbearable penalty for my sin. That's the message of Christmas. God reconciled the world to himself through Christ, Man's sin has alienated him from God, and man's reconciliation with God is possible only through faith in Christ. Jesus was born to die, to reconcile man to God, and he fully completed his earthly mission. He completely satisfied God's requirements for justice, and then he released the power of God's unending mercy and favor and love over us. And all of this is available to us today as we receive him as Lord and Savior. If we will acknowledge our sin, if we will recognize that there's nothing we can do to make ourselves good enough, if we will acknowledge that he is the only Savior and that without him, we will never be right with God, all the wonder, all the hope of Christmas comes to dwell in us. Are you convinced that Christmas is still the best time of the year to hope? Amen. Father, we just come before you this morning and we thank you that you are the hope of the world, that you are the light of the world. And Lord, we thank you for the hope you release upon us, in us and through us. And we pray, Father God, that we would come into agreement with you. God, wherever we need hope, Lord God, wherever we have been disappointed, would you begin to flood us with hope? And just where you are, just do some business with God. Where's your hope today? Have you been hoping in what, when, where, how? Or have you been hoping in who? In Jesus. If you need to confess, confess. But be honest with God today. Tell him everything you've been feeling and thinking. Because he is hope himself. And he is here to fool you.